0: welcome to invest in women the podcast series your insight into the growing wealth of women and the issues that impact their business and yours see what happens when you educate empower and invest in women the invest in women podcast is so proud to have schwab advisor services as our sponsor schwab is passionate about helping independent registered investment advisors find new ways to grow their business and attract diverse talent to our industry. Explore your path to independence at advisorservices.schwab.com. Dana Deoria joins us today. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We really appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So I'm curious, you know, jumping right in, what brought you to this industry? Because, I mean, here in a few years, you'll be 20 years in. And so, I mean, that's a long time and endurance to be part of the finance industry.
1: Oh, yeah. it's And it's been quite a fun and interesting ride for me. Yeah, I think um, my first interest in the finance industry came when I was a business reporter. So that's what I did right out of school, right out of college. I was really a reporter on a number of fronts, and then I got moved to the business desk, which hadn't really been a focus for me in school, but Once I started reporting on markets and just understood the financial system better, it became very interesting to me. And I decided that I had known I didn't want to be a reporter forever. And I just, you know, didn't know which of the things I was reporting on, I would rather do. And I decided I wanted to make the leap over to finance.
0: I love it. Well, I love the fact that you've stayed in it. Obviously you find some fulfillment in it. And I'm curious, you know, since this podcast is for women and focusing on your female clients, and the fact that there's not a lot, there's not as many women that are investors, I assume as much as men, but I have seen stories where women tend to be better at it than men a lot of times. So can you explain that a little bit? And do you find that to be true with your clients? Yeah, it's a
1: great question. And I think it is a relatively little known fact because you go to events a lot of the times and women, um, I mean, th- these are averages, right? So you can only put so much in it. But I'd say on average, the men appear to be more engaged, right? Or interested in markets. But the empirical research actually does tell us that women make on average better investors than men. And it's kind of ironic in that the reason is probably because they don't have as big of an interest, right? So Mm -hmm. men maybe are following what's going on in the market more closely and maybe a little bit more likely to intervene in their own portfolio management. And that's actually what tends to lead to problems. The more trading that happens in your portfolio, the lower your return tends to be. We tend to tinker, but really it doesn't add any value. Once you're in a diversified, hopefully lower cost type of engagement with the market, you're probably best off just sitting there. And women are more likely to do that and be disciplined than men. So that appears to be the reasoning if you look at the research.
0: Well, as you spoke, I was thinking of my own life where... In my career, I've known men who did not have a background in finance, but they like to talk about it and they'd like to talk to each other about it because I think there's a little posturing that goes on where the women I know and including myself, once I do something, then I just tend to forget about it. I don't look at it every day. I don't. And I just because in my mind, I think, well, I want it to be there for a while. So when I'm ready to sell it or ready to change it, I'll look at it and it could be years down the road. So I mean, is that what you think is happening is a lot of guys, I think they're trained to, because they're men, they're supposed to be good at money. And for a lot of them, they may not be.
1: Yeah. There's actually a seminal paper in the literature that says pretty much exactly what you're saying, Melissa, which is men just tend to trade more. They, and of course, most people, most average investors are not trained on the market. So that's a problem because you really can't learn enough in a weekend or watching a news media about it to have a good, effective engagement with your portfolio. I mean, one of the things that's key to understand about markets, I think that is missed by a lot of people is that markets are extremely efficient. And it's only missed because it's not what they do for a living, right? So it's not a fact, but it's probably the most salient fact that's out there that nobody really understands is that when you hear about something in the news that's happened, the market has probably already priced in the effect of that. So you, yes, you may be watching like, oh, there's problems overseas or XYZ company just reported that their earnings weren't going to be as good. That information gets worked into the price so fast that by by the time you act on it, the price has already moved to account for that. And once the price has moved, it really doesn't make a difference anymore unless you're just trying to get out altogether. But
0: if you're trying to get out altogether, you probably shouldn't have been in to begin with. Yeah. I just remember a guy in high school bragging about how he is an investor. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like... Guys are just trying to do it to impress girls. Did that work? (laughs) I'm not sure if it's working or not, but when you talk about your male clients, your female clients, is there a strategy that's different that you talk to each one of them about when it comes to investing based on everything we've just talked about, based on the different personalities?
1: Well, my message is pretty much the same in general to people, which is stay disciplined, be at a risk tolerance that you can handle so that when the market inevitably falters. You're not rushing for the exits because of course, when you do that, you're just selling when things are low, which we all know is the worst way to behave in the market. And people, I think to a certain extent, understand that it's just hard to practice that sort of discipline in the moment, right? It's like, if you had an off switch at the top of the roller coaster, how many people would take it? Probably a lot of them as they're looking at the abyss. Yeah. So, you have to be at the right risk tolerance. So some things are just kind of universal. Be at the right risk tolerance, be willing to be disciplined in bad markets, stay diversified. But interestingly, we're starting to see some money managers look at the differences in how people should invest women to men. And there are some takeaways. I can't say I know exactly how you should act on them, but One of the obvious ones is that women tend to live a little bit longer than men. So interestingly, if you think about glide path technologies and how those work, they take you from an equity, higher equity to lower equity over time. And it's based on what is the expected living, right? How long are you expected to live? And if for women it's longer, you'd actually end up staying in equities for a longer period of time, arguably right now Mm -hmm. on the other side, it really depends on what your risk tolerance is. And then the other thing is, if women are making less money in their careers, how do you you account for that? If they're making no money at certain periods, let's say they leave the work world for a while to have children or whatever it is, all these things impact on what the right asset allocation is. But I think it's kind of a work in progress to figure out, well, how do you take that information and include it alongside things like risk tolerance and what the needs are in retirement, et cetera. So there's mm-hmm. definitely information out there that probably should be incorporated. And I think managers are trying to figure out how to do that.
0: Well, every time we talk about investor investing and men versus women, you know, we're talking from an individual standpoint, but I'm sure, or let me ask you this, does it get complicated when you're talking about couples who come in, straight couples who come in and they're, they may have different personalities and different interests, yeah. you know, in this industry? I mean, is it, is it a still is it a stereotype that women have to kind of be drugged into the office or is that hopefully <laughs> <laughs> moving away? We're moving away from that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's progress there. And again, if you're going, what does that meeting look like, right? If you're going into that meeting with your advisor in order to really dig into what's going on in the markets and what you just watched on XYZ news media channel, it might not even be a super useful engagement, but if you're going in to say, okay, there have been some changes in my life, we have to look at the financial plan again, it turns out as laid off, or, you know, one of the couple, one of the two in the couple is laid off, or whatever it may be, then that is something that you would want to see both of the adults in the household approaching together. But the, the women versus men thing, obviously, it's, it's one variable, right? I mean, then you have, as you pointed out, different personalities and the personalities may not match up to the particular gender. And you may find one is more risk loving than the other risk loving to a statistical term, right? I don't know if you, I don't know how many people would (laughs) describe themselves as risk loving, but accepting of risk, let's say, right. Very nice
0: way to put it. yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, so all those things absolutely have to go into the calculus of it. I mean, as we know, just kind of first principles is you need to look at both the willingness and the ability to tolerate the risk. So ability is how old am I? When am I expecting to use this money? Do I have other sources of income if this money should uh, experience a downturn or whatever? Um, You know, willingness, though, is, is capturing those behavioral finance aspects that's so much harder to understand and really, you know, I think many an advisor would tell you that they'll do the risk tolerance questionnaire with that client and they'll have the discussion. And they'll say, look, things are going to get bad. And the client says, I can handle it in the mm-hmm. middle of a bull market. And then markets shift and there goes that, right? And you know, I think it's an art and a science for advisors to figure out what the right asset allocation is. One last thing I'll say on this though, one, one thing I have found effective in working with advisors who kind of come back to me with the feedback on this is that A lot of them find that it works to do some sort of a segmentation. And by that, I mean, a bucketing where even though you have the, maybe if you added it all up, you'd be at a 60, 40, but the idea of the bucketing because of mental accounting biases that we all have as humans really enables clients to sit with the money, sit and stay disciplined longer than they otherwise would, because what they're doing is they're saying, okay my equity bucket is really in the toilet right now but over here my immediate money is still fine because it's invested in cash and then my next bucket is not as badly down or whatever it is so it enables a level of discipline that's harder to maintain if you're just watching the entire nest egg fluctuate wildly of course Bucketing works when you've got some bucket that's doing okay. We, we are, of course, in a very difficult economic environment right now where both mm-hmm. equities and fixed income are suffering. So I think it, it puts a heavy onus on the advisor to help clients in this period.
0: Well, and that plus what you said earlier about people who's like, oh, yeah, I could take the risk with things are going great. Yeah, every, <laughs> look at me, I'm strong. Yeah. <laughs> Is there advice you have for women in particular in this climate when it comes to managing their money? Don't look at it.
1: What's what you do, <laughs> Melissa.
0: Don't look at it. I don't. Uh,
1: be invested at a risk tolerance that you can handle, relative to when you need to take the money out, or you know, relative to if there was an emergency, would I have to tap that money? But then don't don't sit there and read those statements every quarter and start fretting about where is it going to go. Instead, look at one of these charts. There's a zillion of them showing you just what markets do over time, markets go up and markets go down over time, but the secular trend is up. And if you're in the market, that's really what you should be doing. Unless you're trading, unless you fancy yourself some sort of tactical trader, which God willing, most people out there are not. Then if we're talking about nest eggs here, if we're talking about retirement money or college money or whatever, um, you're not in it to figure out when things are going to be up or down in the next year or two years. That's just not the game, right? The game is put the money in, if you can keep adding money in over time so that you're buying at different prices and just let it sit. And as you get toward the time when you're going to have to start withdrawing, that's when you need to think about lowering your risk, but not because of what you see going on in markets.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we have time for one more question. And it's something that uh, somebody's mentioned to me before, advisors had mentioned to me, and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or if it's something new. So I want to ask you about it. And that is sustainable investing. Yeah. So can you explain, I mean, I'm sure most people know what that is, but a brief explanation. And is that something that is, that women uniquely are drawn to, or again, am I just stereotyping?
1: I I love the question. Research suggests women are more likely. It, it, It does seem to have more appeal at the moment for women than men. I think as people understand it better, it will have wider appeal in general. So I love that you asked, what is it? Talk about what it is exactly, because most people, I think, think they know what it is, but it actually, sustainable investing runs a pretty wide gamut. You know, lately we've seen it be very politicized, right? And Mm -hmm. the reality is sustainable investing, I think really it can cover quite across the political spectrum. It just depends on how you personally want to approach it. So ESG, for example, environmental, social, governance type investing, which at its core is really designed more to be another tool in the active managers kit, right? It's to say, we know we have long periods of empirical research that say, companies that have better governance tend to outperform. Social and environmental are meant to kind of extend that idea that if you are more aware of your supply chains and you're more aware of the communities in which you operate, you're probably going to perform better over time because you have less risk related to those issues. Or if you're more careful in an environmental sense, you won't end up with stranded assets. So the jury's out on whether it will actually add return over time. But ESG, which I think most people... Conflate with sustainable is just one piece of sustainable, right? Another element of sustainable or another version, if you will, is values based investing, which is really goes back decades, right? And this is something that endowments used to be only engaged in it. And now it's the province of anybody who wants to because there's plenty of tools out there. But think of, you know, your standard socially responsible investing. Um, that could be managed towards religious goals, right? So mm-hmm. there is a lot that goes under the sustainable rubric from ESG, which is kind of designed, as I say, to be a managing risks that might be coming in the future to values-based investing, where you're saying, I really don't want to support XYZ. Can you get that out of my uh, portfolio? And it used to be a harder thing to do, right? Unless you had enough money to be invested in SMAs where you're owning individual stocks and you're still able to diversify. It's hard to if you're using packaged products, that used to be a hard thing right to call up and say, I don't like what I'm reading about this company, I don't support what it's doing. Uh, can you take it out? If you're in an ETF, you really can't do that. but mm-hmm. you know the advent of fractional shares, commission free trading, it's much easier to be in an SMA and be able to make those kind of modifications to your portfolio. And the good news is too, even within the ETF and mutual fund space, there's a lot of innovation that suits most people so that you can still have the packaged product and have it invested toward your social preferences. And it's done in a way that's not super high tracking error if you want it to, right? You can kind yeah. of leg your way into this. So re- great question. Lots of available products out there for people. And I think we all have to kind of understand the gamut as opposed to just associate a term with one particular thing that we may like or not like.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and also to me, it seems like that would encourage a lot of women to be more interested in investing. So sustainable investing seems to me like, oh, was oh, well, I do care about that. So yes, let me put my money where my passion is, right? Yes. Yeah. So.
1: No, I, and you can, you know, you think about that, you're going home and maybe you're having your conversation with your kids or your family. Geez, I don't like this. Yeah, we all agree. What, what should we do about it? Well, hey, one thing you can do about it is take the money that you have invested and mm-hmm. vote with your dollars and move it and, and yeah. just think about the, the opportunity to have that kind of engagement with your family around how you invest and say, I have reporting that says I'm not contributing as much to this problem, right? Because right. my boards are more diverse or my, I use less barrels of oil or whatever it is.
0: Well, and I remember my brother telling me years ago, you vote with your dollar. And I remember thinking, oh, I never thought about that before. But yes, you can. that's what Dana's talking about right here. So (laughs) Dana, Dana Doria, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and um, appreciate your time. And thank you so much for educating people, especially about sustainable investing.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciated it.
0: Thank you for listening to Invest in Women, the podcast series, your insight into the growing wealth of women and how to attract and retain your female clients and help scale your practice. Learn more by subscribing to this podcast or visiting fa-mag.com.